listeners, the Big Z Podcast is our second episode. And this episode, as I mentioned before um, in the last podcast, that uh, every Wednesday or Thursday, most likely Thursdays, we're going to be focusing on football specifically. Uh, you People call it Thirsty Thursday, uh, and the thirst is for football talk. And I couldn't uh, ask for anybody better to talk about football every Thursday with than Barney. Barney, you're on the line. Thanks for joining the podcast. Um, I'm excited to be talking football with you all season here. Oh, thank you, man. I, uh, I've had about an eight-month void, and uh, yeah. my wife has moving again, so pretty excited. Oh, yeah. Um, can you just tell me a little bit about uh, – or tell the listeners about yourself and just your allegiances. I know I, I, I know your allegiances, but the listeners might not. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So uh, for the uh, better portion of my life, I've been plagued by the Packers because I'm a big Bears fan, and <laughs> uh, you know I uh, you know I've recently been getting some success here, but uh, yeah, big Bears fan here. Um, uh, big ND fan, and you know, back in the college, just a big, big 10 guy. Um, I, you know, got a lot of respect for uh, the NFC North and a lot of these guys, but not really the uh, the, the fudge packers up there. Those guys, those guys can get some rocks. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and on this podcast, we're going to be focusing about the NFL in general, but we'll definitely have a little bit more NFC leading just because of our allegiances, me with the Lions, you with the Bears. Uh, but that's okay. That's okay. Uh, it's fun to talk about things we're passionate about. But I want to lead right into it then. Uh, the first big news to cover um, is the Andrew Luck retirement. I, I, I was shocked. I thought, did you think this was fake news <laughs> when you first saw it? Yeah, I had to check the calendar if it was April 1st. Okay. I, uh, <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. I mean, I always knew we had injury concerns, but... Uh, you know, just, just a young guy like that, uh, and, and, you know, somewhat in the peak of his career, uh, that was a huge shock. You know, I, it definitely made the landscape turn a little bit for the AFC. Uh, a lot of people seem to still be high on them because of Jacoby Brissett, but I mean, that, that, uh, kind of came out of left field, you know? Yeah. Can you imagine like right now, Mitch Trubisky saying, uh, I'm done, <laughs> Be, I mean, it's not quite the same, um, but it'd be more like yeah. if the Lions, you know, if Matt Stafford just said, I, I'm done. And it's actually yeah. funny. The Lions have actually had this happen twice to them with Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders. Not quite the same because those are those guys at least played for 10 years in the NFL. But uh, um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, those guys are still really young. You know, I think yeah, that, yeah. Uh, Calvin was just like 30 and. Was Barry even thirty yet? Or, yeah, know, Barry, I mean, yeah, Barry was uh, twenty nine or thirty as well. So I mean, yeah, both pretty young still. Uh, and Andrew yeah, also I, around the same. I'd be crushed if I was, uh, you know, just after the year that they had last year. You know, uh, where you know they they've always been like a threat, so to say, just because when you got a really good quarterback and you got like an offense, you know, like uh, the connection you had with. T.Y. Hilton. I mean, that was that was like a seven years of just smooth, smooth butter going on in the on the offensive zone there. I mean, oh, absolutely. Um, and the Colts. I mean, I, 
And the Colts finally had an offensive line. I'm looking at the stats right now. Um, in 2016, the year Andrew Luck uh, played before last year, because then in 2017, he sat out all year with a shoulder injury. Um, he was... In 2016, he was sacked 7% of the time. The year before that, 5%. The year before that, 45 The year before that, 5.3. Last year, he was only sacked 2.7% of the time on his dropbacks. And he actually threw for a career high in passing attempts. So that's pretty wild to me That's that he is retiring with this good of an offensive line. Oh, man, no doubt. I mean, they have a bunch of maulers up there. Uh, I mean, most notably, the, the guy who gets the most recognition is... Um, uh, my guy from Notre Dame, Quentin Nelson. Oh, I, I love you know, Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson's an absolute beast. Yeah, I mean, they're just maulers up there. And, uh, you know, you'd think, you, you, you never really know how bad these injuries are with these guys. Um, and I think that the one thing that kind of hurt the Colts is that, you know, like most, most of these guys in the league, you know, they, they need football as a means, you know. Uh, whereas Andrew, I mean, he's a nerd. I mean, he's a giant nerd. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, out, out there destroying a bunch of jocks for the last seven years. Uh, he's got a structural engineering degree out of Stanford. Yep. Uh, he's got like a brand name himself. You know, it's, I mean, if he chooses to to use that degree and, and do something, um, you know, he's he really got the brand name to, to you know, raise money. And it, it you know, it, he could be just as successful off the field, you know, as, whereas most of the guys who play in the league, like I said, they, they need it, you know? Oh, absolutely. And look look at what the Colts are losing. 39 touchdowns, 4,593 yards, and a 67% completion percentage. They're not getting that on Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> we, that's guaranteed. No. Um, no, it's just wild. No, I mean, not. this is a uh, franchise changing. It changes the NFL because now the Colts might trade for a quarterback. Who knows? Uh, you know how it all affects just a while especially this late into the preseason apparently had some calf injury that they couldn't quite diagnose i don't know if the colts training staff gets in trouble for this too because they he's had like getting mystery injuries like for four years in a row that they never were able to solve yeah it, it kind of seemed like there's a little bit of a disconnect um I, I mean he never really publicly outed those guys he, you know he's just a good teammate he never really put any blame on anybody but I yeah. think, uh, you know, they, they, I don't want to say misdiagnosed, but um, maybe they cleared him a few times uh, when, you know, maybe he shouldn't have been cleared and that caught a little bit more uh, destruction to, I mean, I mean look, look at the injuries he's had. Um, you know, what what has he had so far? He's had... Um, he's had abdominal bleeding. He's had a shoulder injury. This most recent one's an ankle calf issue. They can't quite decide which it is. Um, that's just a short list. There's other minor things in there as well. That's over time. He's just dealt with since entering the league. So yeah, you can, you can understand why he's re retiring. It's it, anybody that, you know, gets on him for it. I mean, what, whatever. <laughs> it's totally understandable. The guy's made a hundred million dollars in his career in the NFL. So. I don't think yeah, has, I don't yeah, think has many regrets. Just uh, you know, it, it's it's hard for me to kind of feel bad for a guy that really tortured my my Irish. Okay. Uh, you know the three the three years that he was at um, at Stanford. You know he had a brilliant career. I mean, I think he only had four losses in his whole three years. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, every every single year he beat the Irish, and uh, you know, thankfully he. 
uh, he lost or he left for the for the league uh, the year um, that we that we went to the championship. Yeah, and, yeah. But then again, but then again, I could have done without that spanking from Bama too. So I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I, maybe I'm going to blame that one on him too. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um, I'm, so uh, just some other comparisons as well. People have compared us like Jordan retiring, um, you know, in 93. Jim Brown is a famous one that retired early as well. Actually, some others that came to mind. Gronk has come out and spoken out recently that he's the same age as Andrew Luck. Um, Gronk hasn't ruled out coming back to the NFL, it sounds like, after his comments today. And then actually another one I thought of, and this is kind of it leads me to my next question to you, is uh, Chris Borland. Do you remember the linebacker from the 49ers? He, he he was a rookie of the year on defense. Yeah. And he yeah. retired. I'm just wondering if there's a trend here of people retiring before 30 in the NFL. And that's, is, is that a concern for the NFL or not really? Right. Um, you know, I, I, it's such a touchy subject, though, because it is. For me, I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm an old school kind of guy. Just, you know, I, I, I think some of these, these penalties are, are lame and whatnot, but at the same time, I, I, I mean, I totally get it. These guys are uh, not the same um, specimen that were playing this 40 years ago, let alone like 30 no. years ago, 20 years ago. So, I mean, these guys are training out the womb. Um, you know, they're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger, and uh, I mean, I get it, but, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these things go up like, with a head injury. I think that's going to be more of an issue for early retirements. Um, I know, I know Andrew Lux had one, uh, diagnosed concussion, but mm. you know, just from like my own career, uh, through wrestling and football, like, I mean, there's definitely quite a few undiagnosed concussions. Myself. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, was, no I wasn't facing the competition he was, you know, getting sacked by, you know, 290 pound all muscle defensive ends is, you know, uh, especially, you know, at the, at the edge, he's taking their blindsided, you know, he's still standing in the pocket. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, and we will see probably quite a few more people, uh, maybe kind of make it a trend, but you know, I wouldn't say it would be drastic to, to hurt the NFL. Uh, yeah. but I mean, you know, the, the NFL is making more money people. than ever. So <laughs> the, the, yeah, I mean, and today they just made another deal with Oakley for, uh, millions and millions of dollars. So and the NFL is not going anywhere anytime soon. So these guys uh, can retire early. That just means the young guys are going to get paid more. Should we? Uh, but should we go back to the to the leather helmets? Is that, is that, <laughs> is that on the table? Or? I've heard that a couple times, actually, suggested by people. Just uh, you know, in general conversation, it it, it is it's interesting because nobody's going to leave with their head with a leather helmet on or anything like that. It it becomes kind of more like rugby, actually. Then, yeah, uh, I mean. That definitely has a case. However, yeah, when we're when we're, when we're dangling millions on on millions uh, for contracts and things, these guys, I'm pretty sure there's not going to be a, a, an equipment thing that's going to hold them back. <laughs> no, they're going to be going full throttle all the way. So I, I mean, I guess you just got to sit here and enjoy it, and you know, yeah. Uh, well, it, it, it's uh, right now. I I saw that. Um, for the collective bargaining agreement that we're going to be having negotiations with, uh, one of the main issues is that all the owners are pushing for an extended season. So I don't know if that's 18 games or what, but you know, if, if they start to do that, uh, I'm sure that 
the players will, you know, kind of have like some sort of retaliation in there. Oh, I guarantee it. And I don't I don't think an 18 game season is going to happen. And that kind of leads me to my next uh, topic that I wanted to cover was if you think the preseason is necessary, we every year, I feel like it's the same conversation over and over. There's somebody that gets hurt this year. Lamar Miller tore an ACL. Cam Newton looked like he might not have uh, been able to start week one. Now it looks like he can. Uh, my Detroit Lions, they lost two guys uh, in the third preseason game, one both to ankle sprains. Gerard Davis is going to be out for the first six weeks, possibly. Um, there has to be some sort of compromise. These four preseason games is way too much. I don't. I think they need more joint practices. I I think two preseason games is like the right number. Just get these starters maybe one, you know, game to get their game speed up a little bit, and then the second game is for the young guys who try to make the roster. Uh, the the fans hate it. I feel like the players hate it too, unless you're young and you're trying to make the roster. But the, I mean, the coaches, right. the the Bears, what Trubisky took three snaps all preseason. Yeah, and he you know he handed those balls off beautifully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I I I agree. Um, it's you know uh, I think the drought every year I kind of have the same reaction. Uh, you know, well, it'll be coming around. July and I'll just be thinking, oh my God, you know, one month until we start seeing some some pads and football going on, and yeah. then I kind of realize, you know, it's, it's kind of a big walk through practice out there. But I, I mean, I, I kind of think they're um, necessarily just for, you know, I don't really think it's necessarily for uh, the starters. Um, I see a big trend going on with with a lot of the teams that they're not even playing their starters, like even like, you know a quarter throughout the whole four four games and I do like it to see where your best at hiring a second fifty three man roster but uh, you know outside of you know just trying to uh, you know narrow it down um, to your final fifty three to me there's really no point. Yeah, no I, I completely agree. I, I I see a compromise coming maybe for a seventeen game season with a second bye week thrown in. That's what I, I foresee. I don't know if it's going to happen because actually 16 games, you know, the format kind of worked with 16 games. It's exciting. Every game matters. Um, if you if you go to the playoffs and all the way to the Super Bowl, if you're in the divisional round, you know, or the wild card round, you're playing a 20 game season. It's a 19 game season. If you're, you know, you get the first round by it's a long, it's a long season. If you throw in the playoffs, that's what makes the pate what the Patriots do every year even more impressive is the fact they go that late in the season every year and they're still ready to compete. Well, I mean, they have six key season games throughout the season. I mean, uh, if you would have stuck the Detroit Lions, I know you're you're a big <laughs> fan. If you would have stuck the Detroit Lions in that division, that is Patriots. <laughs> I mean, those are, those are six tough key games. I mean, the the, the, uh, the Jets. I mean, I can't remember the Bills and the Dolphins. And, you know, until until they had you know Curtis Martin. The Bills haven't been in the playoffs. I mean, how about us? But, you know, they, they had a drought that was, you know, since the 90s. And the Dolphins, Dan Marino, took their last meaningful snap. So, uh, you know, I, no, 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 um, you know, taken away from the Patriots and the Dynasty. They definitely just, you know, kind of manhandled uh, They had a vice group on the league for the last 15 or 16 years. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, 
no no team has had an easier easier route to a regular season than than those guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree to a certain extent, but I mean, they they still have done it against other teams in the league as well, and I mean, they've they've gone through the playoffs every year and made it to the Super Bowl, which is really difficult to do. So, but I think you're right. I think you're right. There is something to the fact that they have played in the weakest division for many years. Yeah, it just gives them a little bit more time to rest some people, and yeah, and like I said, I mean. Belichick and Brady, they're the best duo in, 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 that football's ever had. I mean, they, they, I mean, they go in and they, they dismantle, you know, you name it. And they, they want Super Bowls for a reason. It's not like they'd be going through cupcakes. But, uh, you know, it would have been nice for, for the Bears or the Lions to have those kind of easy easy games. Whereas, you know, we kind of have, I feel like we have one of the stronger divisions, one of the more stable divisions that, you know, Relatively, there's going to be two, you know, probably three pretty damn good teams coming out of ours. Oh yeah, the the, uh, the division's loaded this year, uh, the NFC North. But and we'll we'll, we'll and we'll discuss that in a little bit. Uh, but focusing more on the AFC East and and just another topic I wanted to really hit on with you in in the NFL, I've never understood this. I still don't get it is why a team like the Redskins, a team like the Giants, even a team like the Dolphins with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Case Keenum, Eli Manning, why do these teams bother to start these veterans you know are not going to compete for a Super Bowl? They're not going to even compete for a playoff spot. When he, And you have a young guy. So you have Josh Rosen, you have Dwayne Haskins, and you have Daniel Jones Jr. Uh, maybe Baker Mayfield doesn't like Daniel Jones, but the Giants did draft him uh, in the top ten. The if these young guys on the roster just you know are going to be playing by the end of the season, why do teams do this? Why do they start the veteran? I I can see maybe someone like Jay Gruden, who's on the hot seat. If they don't win this year, he's out. So might as well use the veteran because they he can be right. mildly uh, relied upon. But if you're the GM, I would play. The, you got to play the young guy. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely an argument for both sides. Um, uh, wait, you I know, mean, this this happened with the Bears. Uh, they started Mike Glennon. <laughs> it was like watching paint yeah. dry. Then they brought in Mitch Trubisky, and it was uh, completely different. Even if, you know, I have my opinions about Mitch Trubisky, which I'm sure will be touched upon plenty in this podcast going forward. <laughs> um, but still, the watching Mitch Trubisky and watching Mike Glennon was night and day. Uh, and uh, but John Fox, Absolutely. you know, he was an old school coach. Got to start the veteran. This this uh, rookie needs time to prepare off the field. I mean, give me a break. Right, and and I think what it comes down to with these guys um, and not wanting to start their, you know, their younger guys. I don't know if it's a comfort zone or like just trust issues between them. Uh, or, or, you know, I, I kind of equate to me starting a new role at some other company. It's like, I'm going to be shadowing a little bit, doing this and that. You know, I, I don't know if they just want to get their feet wet and, you know, not risk any, I don't know, any, any unnecessary injuries because they don't know what they're really doing out there. Uh, they have a lot, you know, they only have one summer to, to figure out the players, the new system, and have these guys that, you know, in college, it's, it's, well, I mean, it, the NFL is kind of going to an RPO system. It's not just completely just pro style, which it used to be. But uh, a lot of these guys don't know how to run the offenses in uh, no. in the NFL. And, 
you know, I think they're just kind of let's put them, let's put them, let's put Ryan Fitzpatrick out there. You, to me, you cannot put out a better quarterback than Ryan Fitzpatrick if he's if you're choosing between guys that have never played for the organization. I think Fitz Magic seems to just <laughs> Fitz go from team to team and have just a. I don't want to say a brilliant, but he he just knows how to run the most dumbed down offense um, known to man and actually execute it to, to, to at least make the fans want to watch and enjoy the game. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean I totally yeah. get your point. Like Eli out there is just he's he's uh, he's not somebody that I don't think is uh, too too enjoyable to watch out there. I mean he's he's got that Manning uh, coordination. In which uh, kind of makes a lot of the guys laugh, you know, just kind of taking snacks, sacks and falling down all the time. But um, you know, when it comes down to these guys, I think it's just more so um, just a trust issue between not thinking they're, they're ready. You know, yeah, like. and it's crazy. Case Keenum last year threw 586 passes, which which is wild to me on the on, for the Denver Broncos. Eight, and he only had 18 touchdowns and 15 picks. Um, not not a good year. <laughs> Eli Manning, um, last year twenty one touchdowns, eleven interceptions, and he had, he had five hundred seventy six uh, attempts. I I oh man, that, that's actually not a terrible stat line for Eli Manning. He he's never won. To, you know, he's only had a thirty touchdown season three times in his career. So I mean, he hasn't done it that often. He's just he's kind of been a game manager. And he's always popped up, obviously, right. because of his um, history in the playoffs. When he's made the playoffs, the problem is they don't make it that often. But the two times yeah. he has, yeah. he's been amazing. And he'll probably go to the Hall of Fame because of it, because of two playoff runs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go see the toughest team do it, you know. Um, is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer yeah. to you? Uh, you know, I, I hate Eli Manning, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I, he's so boring. He's the, he's one of the dullest uh, guys, which is funny because Peyton's so yeah. you know lively. Yeah, I mean, my favorite thing about him is those like screenshots people catch. On oh the TV yeah, they're great. Looks like a, they're looks great. Like a big oath, you know. <laughs> uh, but you know, once once he once he pulled that little candy BS when he got draft, I just I just kind of just from the start didn't really respect him at all. I mean, school and school phenomenal quarterback and, and whatnot, but I mean, it, in terms of his pedigree, I'd probably toss him in there. I'd make him wait quite a few years uh, just on just on his accomplishment, accomplishments alone, and then I'd let my bias kick in a little bit, a couple more years to let him stay out, but eventually I think he's going to make it in there. Yeah. Uh, do you think by the end of the season Dwayne Haskins and Daniel Jones Jr. will both be starting for their re- respective teams, the Redskins and the Giants. Without a doubt, yeah. Okay. Unless unless they they uh, you know um, carry labor and playing catch during uh, during yeah. practice during the week uh, or long angle, yeah, I think those guys will be starting maybe like sometime around you know mid season, halfway through. Yeah, that's uh, always, that always seems to be the case. So one team will be two and six. Uh, Three and three, even uh, the the season won't be going as planned, and then they'll make the switch. That I, I yeah, mean, it's like yeah. clockwork every year uh, for these new quarterbacks with like potential that are drafted in the first round. Yeah, um, and, and, and 
you hit on the Bears a little bit. I I didn't hate the actually I, I hated the signing right away when they when they grabbed um, Glennon because I mean that guy just looks more like he has more in common with a giraffe than he does with a uh, human species. But um, <laughs> you know he uh, when it, when the contract came down to it, it was like you know just a one year deal, and and after about four games, they they stuck uh, Trubisky out there, and you know he did he did. It was about as well as expected. He wasn't a, a huge favorite of the fan base right away, <laughs> but um, him playing at least quite a few games and and uh, not kind of um, giving him any pressure and, and not having him like you know this was a, this was already kind of a, a down season from mm-hmm. the get go. So uh, I you know I think that the teams can use that as their advantage. Whereas you know if the team is halfway decent. You know, I guess maybe they can feel a little bit more pressure and not step up to the plate as much. Yeah. Uh, Mike Glennon in uh, 2017 when he was with the Bears, four touchdowns, five picks, a one and three record. <laughs> so no, uh, no, yeah. nothing too good going on there. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still shaking my head. There's that Atlanta Falcons game. I think it was a good second game of the season. We had <laughs> eight plays on the, on the five yard line and, and uh, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't, that was remarkable. That was remarkable. I remember watching that game and uh, I, <laughs> I chuckled, you know, I, obviously, but I, I, uh, I understand that you might not have at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but speaking of the Bears, there is something really interesting going on with them. I want to talk about that's grabbed headlines nationally. And that is the Bears kicking situation. <laughs> There, there was a big article in Sports Illustrated about a bunch of uh, kickers that came in um, this off season. There, there's a guy um, I'm trying to remember his name, J- Jamie Cole. He is a kicker consultant that the Bears hired this off season to help the Bears find their new kicker. The Bears brought in nine different guys to audition for their uh, kicking position, all of whom, at least at one point or another attended this Jamie Cole's guy's kicking camp. And then there was complaints in this SI article about favoritism, uh, a really negative uh, kind of aura around the kicking room. It was just a really bizarre story. The Bears have cut down all nine kickers to one guy, Eddie Pinero, who was a really good kicker at Florida. He's a rookie. But he hasn't secured the job yet, even though he's the only kicker on the roster. It's a really bizarre situation. Um, there was also one thing I really liked in this article, and that was apparently the Bears' obsession with that missed 43-yard field goal that they repeatedly had these kickers over and over and over kick a 43-yard field goal in the same direction as Cody Parkey's miss. What do you? I, I, what is your first reaction to this story? It's a really bizarre one. Yeah, I'm I'm so done with this stuff. Like, uh, <laughs> I uh, I mean, have you ever seen kicking get this much coverage ever? Ever? No, no, I've not. Uh, I'm pretty. Sure they've gotten more coverage. The Bears kicking competition has gotten more coverage than the MLS has gotten in the last twenty years. <laughs> uh, I I don't get it. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, with the we are down to one guy. Uh, I don't really know if. Just the whole competition, how it was constructed, uh, you know, was the was the best way to handle it all. 
but at the end of the day, I also can understand if you're letting me help how there's not somebody out there that can just drill field goals. You know, like, I mean, a guy with a soccer background, or I, I just don't know how uh, it's this hard uh, to to fill that position. You're guaranteed not to get hit. You know, uh, all you have to do is basically have a mental game and be able to Kick a ball yeah. the I mean, it's not but, just the Bears. This is uh, the kicking's uh, a major issue for a lot of teams around the league, but the Bears are obviously most notable because of the you know the double doink, the famous double doink. The double doink. <laughs> uh, it's got a good ring. I, uh, I I honestly hope the uh, the competition isn't locked up yet because uh, I'm curious if the Bears. I think the Bears are one of those teams that uh, slipped Carly Lloyd that uh, offer to play in play in the last preseason game. Oh yeah, did you see that? I saw the video. Uh, I'm curious if she can do it with you know a normal amount of steps instead. Of, I think she took like five steps in that video where she made the field goal. So I, oh sure sure. <laughs> I mean she can already kick it way farther than me, so I'm not saying she doesn't have a leg. I, I just would like to see. Um, you know, her do it with the normal amount of the proper amount of steps because these NFL kickers, if you give them five steps, they're gonna nail a seventy-yard field goal every time. Uh, yeah, no but, doubt. But I mean, I mean, credit to her, she can boot the hell out of it. <laughs> uh, but at this going back to this Bears uh, kicker competition is just wild. You never see a team bring in nine different kickers. Maybe it's two, maybe it's three for a training camp, but not nine. Nine is pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, it was brutal. Like I was, I was yearning for some, uh, for some, you know, football talk. Uh, you know, for the last couple months, and it seemed like just the biggest thing was just kicking. Oh, and you know, they ended the practice today with with uh, forty three yard field goals, and six out of the seven guys missed it. It's like, oh my god, what is going on here? Like, forty three yard field goal is not that hard. You know, uh, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't. Uh, consider myself a good kicker at all or anything like that, but I, I feel like, you know, I if you gave me a couple shots, I'd probably be able to hit a 43 yarder. The, the people that went to the Goose Island kicking competition after the Bears playoff game last year would beg, <laughs> the beg to differ. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, that, that was, that was, those two were, were bamboozled. <laughs> they were set up for failure. And they were set up for failure. I'll give them that. I'll give them that. Just for listeners that aren't familiar, last year the the Bears obviously missed their field goal. So Goose Island, the, the brewery in Chicago here, set up a 43-yard field goal on their street right outside the brewery and had 100 different people try to kick it. Now, on a nice clear day, somebody probably makes it. And the, the winner would have got like tickets to the Super Bowl or something like that. Um, but on this day, they like set up a turf thing and it was really icy and snowy and everybody was just falling on their ass trying to kick it off this turf it was impossible it, it was impossible to make yeah it was, it was in the parking lot so it was like it's 10 foot oh yeah so you, you didn't make it up there then for the actual thing did you Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like it was a poor, it was like a snowstorm out that day. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. But, it, was, it was funny. But credit to Goose Island, I think there's over a million people that watched that online, just because I mean, literally the first kicker went up there, this complete like 
uh, you know, cartoon banana, like step on a banana, just flew in the air and land on his ass. It was, it was great. Oh man. Um, so what can you tell me about the bears and, uh, is there anybody, uh, in a on the bubble that we should be aware of. Uh, you know, just kind of make the fifty-three man roster. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. That this is uh, you know, the storyline for this week. Saturday, uh, is the cut day for the NFL. Right. On Thursday, right. uh, is the last preseason game. So August thirty-first is cut day. If you could just uh, maybe tell us some guys in the Bears that we should take note of maybe is there some guy with like a good personality, someone like that, that we just have no idea as I'm, I mean, from the uh, as a Lions fan, or if you're a fan of another team, we might not know about this guy uh, that you're going to refer to right now that could, uh, sure. you know, pop sure. up because the bears have like a million national games. They do every year. It's really annoying. <laughs> they right. can, the bears can yeah. go two yeah. and 14 and still get eight in primetime games. It's ridiculous, but yeah, go, go, uh, go on, go on. Well, well, just to hit on that, when we're going two fourteen, I don't want any primetime games. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good and bad with that too. Yeah, no, yeah. But um, I uh, yeah, I like our our competition. I feel like we got a, a pretty good uh, um, amount of depth on both sides of the ball for some of these positions. There's some real good battles out there. Uh, one of the guys that I think um, that will make it that one of the draftees an unrestricted free agent. Uh, is I mean he's you know it's, it's gonna sound like I'm a homer here, but uh, he's uh, Alex Bars. He's an offensive lineman uh, on a Notre Dame. Uh, he <laughs> was one of the he was one of the better guys coming into last year's season, uh, but after like, the second game he had uh, a knee injury, so uh, he didn't play the rest, and so he kind of slipped out of the uh, out of the draft. And uh, so far he's been making a lot of a lot of headway with uh, the Bears staff, and I think he's going to make it. Um, there's, uh, there's a couple of good guys. Uh, there's a running back, Ryan Dahl. Uh, he's out of Oregon State. He, he did really well for them. Uh, he's, he's a Peyton Hillis type uh, guy. He's real stocky. Um, but uh, he, I don't think he, he's got what it, what it takes to, to break our squad just because um, you know, with what they've done in the off-season moves with David Montgomery and bringing in uh, uh, Mike Davis, I think they spent a little bit too much money on um, or resources on bringing in some wide or some running backs mm-hmm. uh, to the point where, unfortunately, I think he's one of the better guys that won't make it. Uh, yeah, I didn't even realize they got Mike Davis. And is Corderell Patterson um, has he been mentioned at all, or do you know how he's looking on the Bears? Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he looks to be a little bit of a gimmick player. Um, he's definitely going to be returning our kicks or, or punts. I mean, that's kind uh, of his whole that's think, that's his career in general. Uh, wherever he's gone, yeah, yeah. And last year, the Bears lost to. Um, well, I was in Mexico watching uh, watching Cordero Patterson return kicks uh, for the Patriots. Oh yes, yes. And so, so he. You know, if you can't beat him, join him, right? So, so then <laughs> yeah. he said, we're going to go get that guy because uh, we don't want him torching us anymore. So I, I, like, I like that move. I think he'll play uh, a few downs here and there on the offensive side of the ball. But, you know, with Nagy, he's, he's kind of out of the box. Uh, sometimes a lot of fans will say that, you know, he's a little too funny for his plays. Uh, but 
But uh, you know, I can, I'm sure he's going to be out there doing you know jet motions and what options yeah. kind of be a decoy or you know what what have you. What do you think about the Bears' safety switch with the Packers, Amos and ha- so Adrian Amos going to the Packers, Haha Clendix of the Packers now going to the Bears. What do you think of that switch? Is there is it better? Is it worse? Uh, I I actually love it um, for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, Amos Amos had a good career, and I, I'm not here to bash him at all. I think he did really well for us. Uh, earlier in his career, I think it was like his second year, he got benched uh, for quite a few games. But, but then, you know, when, when push came to shove, he really showed up for us. Um, but one of the biggest indicators that I that, that helped me move, make make my decision on whether how I was you know a better choice um, is that you know I got to say Vic Fangio he got uh, the head coaching job over at Denver, right? Yep. Um, and they needed they they were pretty scarce at their safety position. Um, and when Amos was picked from the draft, it was Vic's first year. So Vic had him for four. You know, four of his first years uh, with a full rookie contract, and you know, you would think, uh, you know, as uh, how well he did with the Bears, that he would have at least given him an interview. But you know, he he didn't even reach out to Amos to try to see if he would fill that position, and I think that was a pretty big indicator mm. on maybe Amos being uh, a product of a level of machine rather than you know. Uh, just him and himself being that talented and whatnot. So uh, I, I look at Ha Ha, and he's got some concerns. But when you're on a team with no pass rush, you know it's very hard to survive as a DB. And the Packers have had an abysmal pass rush for the last I don't know how many years. But uh, you know he still came around with I think he had like 14 or 15 picks in this his four or five years. So um, I think with, you know, with Khalil Mack, we went Floyd with King Hicks, those guys applying the pressure. Uh, I think, uh, I think Ha-Ha Clendix is going to be a really nice addition to the Bears. Yeah. Um, Ha-Ha Clendix, no uh, picks last year with the Redskins. He played in uh, nine games. Uh, the year before that, 2018, he had three picks. He played in seven games with the Packers. Um, his big year was 2016. He had five picks that year. So he's had 14 in his career. Um, last year was definitely a down year for him, and the safeties got paid this offseason. Safeties got paid a lot, um, but Haha Clendix definitely not getting paid. Only on a, a one-year, three and a half million dollar deal. So if he does pan out good, I mean that's a hell of a steal. But it might it might yeah. be a stretch at this point for him in his career. I I see it as a downgrade personally. Amos got four years, thirty-seven million, twenty-one guaranteed. Oh yeah, uh, with the Packers. I I just think oh, I, I think. I, I think that speaks uh, kind of how the league viewed both these guys, and that's why I see it as a significant downgrade for the Bears. But, I mean, like you said, the Bears have an elite pass rush, and that might help uh, nick, some of, nick some of the downsides of HaHa Clendex, especially because he, he's a little slower these days. <laughs> he was late getting the ball yeah, a few yeah. times, especially on balls towards the sideline last year. Oh, I, I agree, and I appreciated him doing that for quite a few times. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. With, with the Bulls, with the Bulls, I think he he kind of saw a situation where um, maybe he's betting on himself, and he knows his numbers could get inflated because of how good our defense was last year. 
And I think because of the way he saw his, his Bama buddy, Randy Collins, get paid. Yep. Six uh, years, yeah, $84 million. He, probably, Yeah, I think he's thinking, you know, if I get, if I, you know, I, I, I take little money, go to the Bears, and, you know, have a really good year where it's not completely dependent on myself. I have a really good defense to rely on, and my numbers get inflated. I could be in store for a big contract moving forward with another team. And I, I think that's sort of his approach. I don't think he's going to be on the Bears for too long. Uh, but, you know, I think it was more of a business decision on his end. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, the lo- I, I want to get to our thoughts uh, here on the NFC North. So we're going to make some predictions right now on the NFC North. Next week, we're going to do a big preview for the NFL season as a whole and give our predictions for the entire NFL MVP, each division winner, playoff, Super Bowl, defense player of the year, all that good stuff. Um, but w- right now, since we've been talking about the NFC North uh, specifically, we're going to, going to kind of break it down very shortly and just give our predictions for the NFC North. So, Barney, I want to start with you. I want to get your thoughts on how do you think the division is going to shake out this year? Sure, sure. So, uh, without a doubt, um, you know, Packers are definitely going to be in fourth place. Uh, <laughs> you know, you just, you just cannot rely on a man who, you know, isn't playing with his family. So, you know, Aaron Rodgers is out there, and he's, gonna, he's probably going to get banged up a little bit. And, uh, he's he's going to have a pretty bad year this year. But it's a very, very, very analytical take from you. Very analytical. <laughs> no, it also is. I think it's going to be a real tight uh, race. Um, I, I think the, the, the uh, division will be harder to kind of predict who's, you know, who's going to win. And in, in comparison to the last couple of years, uh, I think the Vikings have a really good defense, uh, and and you know, in this league defense wins championships and. They got good players like, uh, you know, um, Steelin and Diggs, and I don't know how uh, how Delvin Cook will come back from his injury, but you know they're really good players there. Uh, you know, Detroit's got some promising young guys. I really like uh, Carryout Johnson. Uh, that a boy. He's an absolute stud. Um, and then you know, obviously the Packers. You got Rodgers. So uh, I I think I think uh, the Bears are going to go first. Uh, I think they could. Uh, you know, at, at best case scenario, I think they can go twelve and four. Worst case scenario, I think they'll go ten and six. Um, <laughs> the the Vikings, I, I think they might take second, but like I said, I, I think the Detroit uh, Lions and the Packers, like they're in, interchangeable. Uh, but I have the Detroit Lions beating the Packers this year, and I I, uh, I have the Packers rounding in a side at the bottom. All right, all right. I mean, I. I, I, this is my opinion. I, I think teams that don't change their roster, like the Bears defense largely has, it's basically unchanged. What I think tend to hap- tends to happen usually is those teams become complacent and they regress significantly. The Bears defense is going to regress this year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I don't think Mitch Trubisky makes up for that um, regression, if you will. So I, I don't see the Bears performing well this year. I, I have them at 7-9. and nine. That's my prediction for the Bears. Sorry, Barney, but that's how, that's how I feel about uh, the Bears season this year. 
I, I really <laughs> do not believe in Mitch Trubisky. I, I think he's highly inaccurate. I think he makes bad decisions. Unless, and I really don't like Matt Nagy's late game play calling. Maybe it'll change. Maybe he worked on it. But I think Matt Nagy's late game uh, play calling is definitely questionable. The Bears blew out a lot of teams last year, so they avoided a lot of those situations. But Vic Fangio being gone. And Chuck, Chuck Magano has a good history um, coaching defense, especially with the Baltimore Ravens in 2011. But I just having that complacency, having a different coordinator, I just don't see things happening the way they did last year for the Bears, and I see a major regression for them. I think they got called up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But I, I, the Packers, they have a new head coach, Matt Lafleur. We're hearing all these good things and blah, blah, blah. We always hear a lot of positives out of the preseason. It doesn't matter what team uh, it is. It could be the Miami Dolphins, even, who are probably going to, who have a good chance of going 0 16 or 1 15 this year. Uh, so this is how I see it. I, I see the Packers and Bears going 7 9. <laughs> and again, you, you can obviously tell there's some bias here, but. <laughs> Remember, I'm a Lions fan, Barney Bears fan. Come on, say it. <laughs> but I, I see the Vikings going ten and six, and I see the Lions going ten and six. But the Lions win in a tiebreaker, ten and six, and get to host their first divisional um, home playoff game in the history of their franchise. The Lions, if you're not familiar, listeners, have one playoff win in the entire Super Bowl era. So if you want to talk about sad sports histories, it is you can you can start with the Detroit Lions. But I think that all changes this year. I'm a, I'm a big believer in Matt Patricia, the beard. I'm they've really integrated the New England way there. We don't have to go into it for long, because um, I have another podcast that focuses just on the Lions. Drinking the blue Kool Aid. If you're interested, look it up on Apple Podcast. But regardless, um, that's my prediction. Uh, I think we'll go into the rest of the NFL next week, but those are our NFC North predictions. Do you have the bears and you said 12 and four, right? Uh, I'll be, I'll be more conservative. You know, best case scenario, 12 and four. I'm sure they'll go, uh, they'll go 11 and five though. All right. So you're saying 11 and five. That's your final answer. Yes. 11 and five. All right. All right. Um, (laughs) so you have 11 and five. I have seven and nine. So I, we're a little off. (laughs) <laughs> just a little. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, opinions out there about these opinions. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Uh, again, every Wednesday or Thursday about we're going to be talking and focusing on football, the NFL in general. This was kind of a more just high level talk about things going on in the NFL. The games are starting really soon. It's right around the corner, Barney. I'm I'm pumped. I there's nothing else like football, man. There is nothing else like football. Once you get that nice breeze going on, and, you know, you just want to step outside. It's uh, you know, it's, you wake up with a little bit of a smile on your face because oh, you know yeah. Monday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you got you got the NFL, you got college. I mean, oh yeah, it's uh, it's a good time, good time to be a football fan. And uh, that doesn't even include uh, when in, uh, what is it, November when Match and Tuesdays start. <laughs> I mean, the, oh yeah, yeah. Action, baby. You, you that's, can't you can't forget about the action, man. Can't forget about it. Can't sleep. Can't sleep on the max. You're absolutely <laughs> right. 
Oh, boy. Well, thank you, Barney, uh, for joining today on the, on the first uh, football podcast that we're doing. So Yeah, absolutely. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Uh, so we look forward to having you on, having you on every week during this uh, football season. I'm. I just want to thank everybody for listening as well. Uh, we hope you continue. Again, the next episode will be focused on film, and we'll have a special guest for that. But again, three episodes a week. But we want to thank Barney for coming on. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we uh, hope you have a good night and a good week. <laughs>